Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello and welcome to a special bonus edition of the Gale on S Rugby podcast. You could be saying that, you know, mid-World Cup, why would it be coming on now? To talk URC, of course. Not in the way you'd have imagined, to be honest. I was planning on doing the season preview that low for a few weeks, um, as I'm too busy at the moment. But we will talk URC tonight, because some big news came out about a potential merger between the best league of the URC and the Gallagher's Premiership. So I've decided to get two people to hop on board to talk about it with me. So David Cordial and Hugh Griffin, welcome back onto the podcast. Hugh is the only one to have featured in two bonus podcasts now. It's there two very ad-lib podcasts, but live and let live. For people who haven't seen, an article went out in the Daily Telegraph today titled British and Irish Super League. That's doing a lot of heavy lifting there. Planned, discussed and could include South Africa initially. I think it's fair to say this is a URC expanded and enhanced in some regards. So what exactly is it? It's basically, yeah, just that URC plus the English side. Now, a piece in this that I don't know is probably worth stating. It says it's understood initial discussions have already taken place at the World Cup. Although there has been this rumor floating around for quite a while, you do wonder if this is just the first formal conversation as opposed to kind of throwing it around. It's understood there are also moves for greater collaboration between the URC, Premiership, Six Nations and Lions to pool backroom resources, which is something that I'm sure won't go down well. Um, As we move on through it, one solution has been put forward for an FA Cup-style knockout competition involving clubs to the top 14, I believe as a Champions Cup kind of um replacement. Champions Cup is already kind of killing itself softly, though, as we know or as we've discussed on this podcast. They do go on to state. The Premiership currently consists of 10 clubs following the demise of Worcester, Watson, London Irish, while the URC has 16. So We're the next... currently doing a lot of heavy lifting in, in that. <laughs> <laughs> heavy lifting is going to be the buzzword of the night, folks. I think we can already tell. Um, the next stage of negotiations is to look at how integration of the two leagues would work, which is understandable. 
Now, as myself and you have discussed, and myself and David discussed way back when, the URC already has previous for having conferences or having shields and having structure to their league. So I don't think this is something that would be as much of a stumbling block, be it conferences or shields or whatever. The piece by Gavin Mayers does go into broadcasting rights, talking about the need to get rugby on one broadcaster again, which, again, you can kind of blame the EPCR for that one um, and the EPCR era of European rugby in some regard. Then there is talks about, you know, how much the Six Nations unions are going to get a say, because obviously the RFU and the Premiership, probably not seeing IGI, I think it's fair to say. The kind of URC is standalone in its own regard. And then they go on to talk about the Anglo-Welsh League, the Anglo-Welsh Cup and all that in the piece. You can read it. It's over at the Telegraph if you have subscribed. I have subscribed, wink, wink. Definitely didn't get screenshots off of subscribers. Um, so I will come to let's just let's just go with the stereotype. Hugh, you're Welsh. You must be thinking, oh, we need an Anglo Welsh league. So I, I'm unusual. I have um, been out and open with my view that uh, an Anglo Welsh league at this moment in time would be an extremely bad idea. Um, I think. The quality of rugby that is played in the URC is uh, the highest outside of the New Zealand derbies in Super Rugby um, and the very, very top teams in the top 14. Um, for me, uh, I mean, it's, 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 it's as you said, it's the URC saving English rugby, basically. This is um, the the URC teams asking to join, you know, the whole, the, te- the way the Telegraph have phrased it is very base saving. Oh, it's a, it's a, a British and Irish league that might include the South African Italians. It's the URC and the English teams are joining it. It's something that you yourself, Caelan, have suggested is been on the cards for a while. I, I've also been joining some dots. You look at the Ospreys having a game in London. There was talk about uh, the West Country Derby being played in Cardiff this year um, and some other things dotted around the place as well. So it feels like we've slowly been being warmed up to this over the last few months. Um, and like I said, with the financial difficulties in England and the URC actually growing as a tournament, especially with the addition of the South Africans, now the URC is not um the financial wonderland it's not like everybody in there is making money they're absolutely not um but no club has gone bust at time of recording in the urc um yes <laughs> so and uh so yeah that that's kind of what it really is as you said yeah david i'll come to you next you're very much a pro URC equals best league enthusiast. I don't know where, wonder where you got that idea from. <laughs> but what's your thoughts on this? It's it's an interesting concept as as a as a general idea. The the concept of this this kind of amalgamated British and Irish league, possibly with the addition of obviously South African Italy. You know, geographically, it makes a lot of sense. Um, it made it. That being said, it has made a lot of sense since the dawn of professional rugby. I was struck by, there was a 
quote, or there was a comment in that, I think it was a quote, there was a comment in that uh, Telegraph article on the subject that up until quite recently, the premiership's uh, response to the concept of of joining the URC was, I think, literally no, no, no. And it did strike me that that changed quite rapidly once three of their clubs had folded. And it's amazing wanna... what you do when your house is on fire, kind of. I think this is it. You know, necessity is the mother of invention, and you don't want to wallow in the the dissolution of any of any of those clubs, particularly clubs that were historical stalwarts like Wasps, and uh, you know. You know that's that's people's jobs and people's livelihoods, and you hate to see that happen. But it's not a surprise that the that the result of that is that they have become slightly more amenable to coming to the table. I suppose from a from a URC uh, enthusiast's point of view, my my two concerns would be number one: South Africa have gone quite well so far. There is obviously a geographical concern there, and that the you know getting to and from. South Africa and Europe is is not a short trip. Um, it's probably not been handled as well as it as well as it can. Sponsorship dependent, but kinks like that can probably be worked out with scheduling. My other, my real number one concern would be Italian rugby. Now, the article did mention that this would probably involve South Africa and Italy as well, but I think Italian rugby has not produced at test level necessarily the success that a lot of people would have expected, but it has gotten a lot better. And I think it's gotten a lot better primarily because of more investment in it, in the two clubs and those two clubs being more competitive. There was uh, a season not that long ago where Benetton almost knocked Munster out uh, at a quarterfinal level. Yeah, and then, Rainbow uh, Cup, uh, reigning champions. And then obviously they're the, yeah, they're the Rainbow Cup reigning champions. And, and I think it is predictable, if a little unfortunate, that when they win things like that, their star tests... Uh, level 10 then goes off to join a top 14 club but at the same time I mean you know in the inception of Ireland at professionalism we had people like Keith Wood playing most of their career in in England and and it ends up benefiting you because you know they can bring back what they learn at at those leagues so you said that Owen Farrell playing in Thoma Park every night will benefit English rugby because he was playing against proper teams yeah they might have a chance of winning a world uh, World Cup final but uh, yeah, no. Look, it's you know, it's not it's not the worst idea in the world. I think my concern would be for the clubs that are currently in the more stable league that they would have assurances that the stability will be maintained and that they won't be put in a, a position where they're um, potentially dragged down by the the more financially unsecure league. And then, um, yeah, beyond that, just just a, a scheduling thing of. Yeah, you bring you bring in you bring in ten more teams. We're gonna to have to restructure the thing, and the the calendar is already pretty packed. And I suppose actually my, my my other main concern was that as much as that that league might make a lot of sense, it might seem really like a good idea. We'd want to then look at how that would ever impact Europe, because if you suddenly have a league that is the URC plus England, that is really just Europe minus France. And I think the dominance of French teams, you know, they won the Challenge Cup and the Champions Cup this year. Will two years you know, warrant? Row. Yeah, will warrant people having an interest in them anyway. But it does mean then that Europe is really just the URC plus France. Um, so yeah, it's kind of there's, that there's, anyway because the, the the English don't last very long in Europe these days. 
They don't. I, yeah. did, I didn't say it this time, that's, folks. It wasn't me no, this time. And, no, look, to be fair, two English teams have won it since the last time an Irish team has won it. So, um, but yeah, no, right. yeah. Like the Wallabies have won two World Cups since Ireland won a World Cup. They haven't. Yeah, it's it's just the way things work. There is kind of the pros and cons to everything. So I might start with fans because at the end of the day, sport is nothing without fans was definitely meant by all sporting organizations during COVID. They definitely meant that. Definitely. Definitely. Um, It's probably a big talking point because... As I was saying to Hugh earlier, if you're a Munster fan, say, or a Leinster fan, the idea of going to Leicester every year or to Bath or maybe even to London is appetizing, to to say the least. It is. It's more appetizing than maybe going to, you know, Newport or Glasgow, which I know David, you are going to both. But, you know, that's just reality of it. Like, these are new places to go to. The flip side of it is there is the kind of geographical implication. There's going to be a lot more traveling, like, they'll want to have a format that means provinces can play each other. So how does that work with England? If like South Africans and the Irish and the Welsh and the Scots want to play each other, you have more English teams. Like I can't tell if fans are going to like this or not, because if I'm hesitant and I'm, listen, I'm all for change because I think the current rugby model is flawed. Like there is question marks and even Hugh, like, the parts of Wales, as we, as we joked about, would be very much we should join up with England, but there are flaws to that too. Like when the Ospreys play Leicester or something, they're still not getting a full house. Like, you know. No, I mean, there's going to be a lot of people who have to put their money where their mouth is if it, if it happens, where they say, oh, we need an Anglo-Welsh league, you know, uh, uh, without t- covering too much conversation at once, the, the URC would obviously need to be heavily restructured. To, to enable this to happen because obviously you can't have a straight league format with at time of recording 26 teams in it now 26 yeah That's so it would either it would it would either be conferences or like a, a premiership and a second division which is I, I think the way to go and maybe you can shoot me down because we will jump onto the format in a minute I think you go top heavy do you uh, or do you go conference? Like, you go maybe. So, if we're going 26, you can't, they won't do 13 and 13 for, for superstitious yeah. reasons. Um, do you go maybe 12 and 14? Do you go 14 and 12? Yeah, um, that's which, that's what which I split do you go? And then you probably need to reserve at least one spot per nation in the top league. So, you probably go 14 and 12. Uh, yes, that's what I do. Like I said, we'll cut, we'll talk about. Potential formats in a minute, but yes, that that's kind of what I would do. I would prefer that to conferences because how do you do a conference when there's eight or well, ten? You have to English join teams. up from the nation. You probably have to go like Ireland, Wales, Scotland, Italy, South Africa, England. Yeah, and that's awkward. And yeah, it, it's um yeah, it doesn't work very well. What was the original question? <laughs> Just about the fans and how. Oh yeah, how well, are they so, going to yes. receive it? So, yeah, some Welsh fans would have to put their money where, where their mouth is. As you rightly say, um, in Europe, when we do play English teams, which isn't as much as it used to be, it's actually a bit of a bone of contention this year that um, Welsh teams aren't playing English teams in Europe and um, the French teams aren't coming to Wales. Um, the only teams that Wales are playing 
Welsh teams are playing in Wales are lower French teams and other URC teams. Um, so, yeah, so the fans will, the, all the people who say that we do need an English Welsh league um, and that it would be the saviour and would be the best thing since sliced bread, yeah, we're about to find out in that famous graph. Yeah. Uh, um, mess I, around I, and find out. Yes, exactly. Uh, I, I don't think, with someone like, like Bath Scarlets is a historic game. Uh, Dra- Gla- Gla- sorry, Gloucester Dragons has a bit of history to it as well because they're geographically reasonably close together. Um, anything to do with Bristol, obviously, there was a time when half of Bristol's team was Welsh players. Um, so th- those kind of games, yeah, I can see. Are people going to turn out in their droves to see Sale or Newcastle? I don't know. Um, and again, you know, if we, if we, my personal opinion, if we were in Anglo Welsh League and we were offered the chance to play Leinster or Munster or the Stormers from South Africa, we'd go, oh my God, yes, everyone would go down to the stadium to watch that. Um, so yeah, so I, I think you would find not a particularly high attendance bump. Personally. That's the thing, like certain countries will travel but like if you're adding say I'm trying to think of Quinns right Quinns are a great club and everything but like will they travel to Goa or are you just going to keep having this cycle of home support is kind of more important again do you know like these these are the kind of questions granted a lot of Irish fans like to go to Quinns and different things but you know there's that cycle and David like the other side of it is Two Irish lads and the Welsh lad, it's easy for us to kind of get our heads around it. But if you're a South African or Italian, they will have question marks in case they're quick to be kicked out. Yeah, they will. And I think it's it's for two different reasons, you know. Um, you know, from a, an Italian from a South African point of view, it's because they've just joined and they left they had to leave Super Rugby to come here. Now there were a lot of problems with Super Rugby as well. Unfortunately for South Africa, they're almost as badly placed in turn geographically. I mean, uh from that point of view, I I do remember it's just anecdotally that uh one of Australian Leinster stalwarts as uh, the lock forward uh, Scott Fardy, who said that one of the, his main reasons for coming to Leinster was because he had a young family and he'd spent something, an incredible amount of weeks living out of hotel rooms because of the amount of travel involved in, in Super Rugby. So, you know, the South Africans have that unfortunate location. They've now made this commitment to make a shift from playing in Super Rugby down with New Zealand and Australia to playing up here in Europe. And a lot has gone into that and they've they've really committed to it and credit to them. First season they were involved, they won. Uh, second season, season they were involved. They were in the the final, so they've they've put a lot into it. And I think there is always that that fear of last in, first out. And England and Ireland as a league makes a lot more sense than Ireland. Sorry, I say Ireland. <laughs> URC and England as a league makes a lot more sense than URC and and uh, South Africa. So I can understand that they would have consternations at that point. And then I think the Italian uh, concern would be the the one I voiced as well is that. Italy is still a relatively growing uh, rugby nation. I I do think their rugby nation with a lot of potential. 
you know, we have a, a mutual friend who's just you know, sending us videos of his son's da- his son down at, you know, minis rugby in, in, in Treviso. And, you know, I think there's a lot of potential there if, if that game can be grown there, but the last thing that will help that is if you suddenly push them down to a lower division. So, and, and, and then that's not to mention the fact that as well as Bennett and, and, uh, and Zebra being members of the URC, Italy are also a stakeholder in the Six Nations, which all of the other nations in uh, this proposed joint URC uh, British league would be, would also be stakeholders in. So there's, there's a lot of layers to this. I do. I would not want to be one of the lawyers stuck in a boardroom trying to f- figure out how to how to structure it. But yeah, there are a lot of competing concerns, and I I think from a, a fan's point of view, I would hope. And look, this is always a difficult one to to match with expectations for financial return, particularly when there are investors involved. But I would hope that the overriding goal of a new league or a maintenance of the current leagues is growth of the game. You know, we're just coming off the back of, well, we're not coming off the back of, we're still in the middle of, but um, a World Cup where we have seen what quote-unquote tier two nations are capable of when you give them a chance. And and I I think any effort that we can make to grow the game in our own countries, but then also uh, globally should be the number one goal. And we should be, we shouldn't just be looking at, at including England in, in a URC. We should be looking at how we can bring in, I think, is it the Black Lions or, or the Georgian team? Or, yeah. you know, if there is a Portuguese team, if there isn't a Portuguese team, let's make a Portuguese team and, and grow there from that perspective. But I think it's, yeah. So from a South African and Italian point of view, I can definitely understand their concerns that, that they would have concerns. But I, I think our big focus should be on on trying to expand rather than contract. And there's probably an element too, as you said, about growing it, that the URC in the last two years, say three years, when they kind of tried to put it together, they have basically been an outward and saying, we're not going to stop innovating. We're going to try and keep trying to find what works. There was talks about, oh, would you have an American team? Yeah, possibly. Would you have a European team? Yeah, possibly. Would you have the English teams? Yeah, possibly. You know, it was always that kind of a, like, we're not going to say no to it because we don't know what's down the line. And to their credit, to Martin and I and the URC's credit, that's something you can't say about the English clubs. You know, when they were asked about this a few times, it was always, no, no, the Premiership's fine. It's like, yeah. Well, it's not. Yeah. You know, as as we said about the time of recording joke, like, it's not. And at least the URC is open. Like, they're open to having a women's competition, etc. You know, you're going to jump in there. Do you want to? Yeah, well, it says in the article, doesn't it, that it's it's a, there's a change there's a change happening of people at the top and it's not, it actually says in the article, it's not the Blazers anymore. There's more people with new ideas once it's come in. But the URC is, has been about survival, hasn't it? I mean, if you go back to where when it was just the Celtic League, it was the reformation of Welsh rugby into the region model. And then it brought in the Italian clubs. And then the South African clubs were brought in to help, well, partially to help them survive because they wouldn't have had a home. I think they were going to leave Super Rugby come what may and they needed a new home. So that that's kind of what it is. And now, if England are in the position of needing to survive, then I can uh, it's part of the URC's DNA. But the part of it that is interesting to me is the comment about sharing resources because as you say like all the member unions are owners and what that would mean if if one of the teams that you you referenced there was the lions so if um south africa are 
stakeholders in the URC and the URC are stakeholders in the Lions, it would mean that South Africa are stakeholders in the Lions, even in some tiny way. Yeah. That's that's when Who'd it's be a liar? Start, <laughs> that's when it starts all becoming a big blob, doesn't it? That's when it all starts being you know, of the of the tier one nations, you've got uh England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, Italy, South Africa. Um so of like the ten tier ones, six of them are all in one big club competition. Mm-hmm. The, I just on a slightly different note, doesn't that just scream rugby isn't viable? You know? <laughs> it does, yeah. Lean on the next guy and everyone's just leaning on each other in one massive circle. It's yeah. kind of the, the or actually no, I think a better way to do it is Ireland and France both have two arms out and are holding on two nations each. <laughs> and the rest are just kinda No, I, I think I, Ireland and South Africa are holding up most people and then France are holding up themselves and tier two. France yeah. are holding up tier two as well. That's true. They have a lot of um, tier two players in their leagues. It's also worth, couldn't. yeah, and it's also worth remembering that, like, as as healthy as the game is in France, and it, it does seem to be in like enviable position to have a a fourteen team internal league, and then also have a secondary league below it. Most of that is funded by by wealthy men. You know, it's it's like the Premiership in or the Premier League in in the in England. As healthy as it seems from the outside, it is just money that is generated in other places that is then funneled to rugby. I'm sure they get little bits and pieces out of it, but most most of those clubs, certainly uh, the bigger clubs, you think of Racing 92, you think of Toulon, they're passion projects. They're they're uh, they're trophy clubs for the the people who own them, and that's great if that's what sport is because at the end of the day, sport is sport. But um, yeah, I, I think we'd be cutting ourselves if we said that that there was like a um, some golden horizon where sport is this self-perpetuating thing. I think it is always going to be something that needs to have extra money pumped into it. And whether that is from private investors or if it is from governments, as long as we can get it, then uh, then we should be happy out. But yeah, I think it is always important to remember that as well. Yeah. yeah going, going back to the analogy a second ago, uh, everyone holding up each other and then you've got Australia clinging onto New Zealand's leg and New Zealand are going, get off me, get off me. Yeah, New Zealand would kick everyone off if it meant they got to sit at the highest rung of the ladder. Um, it's mad because I don't think they're that big a... Well, I mean, I think overseas they probably have the benefit of being... The All Blacks are probably the, the jersey that I see the most on people who aren't from the place where that is from. Like, I don't think... I, you don't see really see people wandering around in Ireland jerseys who aren't Irish or England, you know, et cetera. But I've seen plenty of Irish people who have All Blacks merch, and I think they they market themselves quite well overseas. But, like, New Zealand is a country of 5 million people. If they didn't have that to rely on, they're not. You know, Australia is a much bigger country. Now it has a lot more other leagues inside to com- uh, that are to compete with. But I, I think the Kiwis would be cutting themselves if they, if they thought that internally they were enough to be uh, financially viable. So just two things so so we've touched on kind of the growth with everything if we're going down what's what's there with tv right tv is a big one have to get this right hugh you talk about it a lot on your podcast about tv rights and different things what way would you like to see it go considering the urc's current model versus the premiership's current model so we did talk about this on the Pirate Ruby Pod plug plug uh, episode two, I think. Uh, Ender really broke it down really well and explains that if you want to, if you want every game to be televised, it has to be a pay per view. It has to be. And rugby is a niche sport 
for all. You know, there are plenty of people in rugby who think that rugby and soccer are, you know, equals or rugby is slightly below. No, it, rugby is niche. It's not, there is no comparison to be drawn. Um, so it has to be, if you want to watch every game, it has to be on, on um, subscription TV. You know, people don't like that. And every time you talk about that, you get people saying how everyone's got different budgets and not everyone can afford that. Um, and which is you can't argue with and some people think that it should be some kind of given that it should be free to air and everything should be on free to air it's not realistic um, probably add yeah. in there that in Ireland there is there is legislation there if they ever wanted to change it and add more provincial games yeah. at the moment that legislation is reserved for national team sports but if they ever did feel like it they could and they would have a bit of power then. Yeah. So in in, in Wales, uh, you can watch a game a week on S4C, which is the Welsh language channel, which has English uh, commentary available. And there's BBC Wales do the Friday night games, I think, most weeks as well. Um, so there, there will. So I think it would probably be that option of a um, a, a subscription channel plus weekly free-to-air games based on what country you're in so maybe channel four or channel five or itv or whoever it is in england shows a game a week or two games a week of the english clubs um and the same throughout all the all the countries um the 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 broadcaster that always gets brought up is amazon if there is a a pay-per-view channel to come in i would prefer it to be amazon because i think it's well it is the cheapest at, at time of recording um and it's a lot of people already have it for other things, whether it's for delivery or for prime video or, or whatever it is. So it's it would make the sport more discoverable than if it was, say, on a via play or a premier sport, which we didn't know existed until the URC was on it. So that's kind of where I'd go. TNT Sport is another option. I would prefer not that. But I think the key thing, I think it's what you were getting at. And I think it's what the article gets at as well. It cannot be divided up amongst multiple subscription broadcasters. It can't be the English clubs are on one channel and the Irish clubs are on another channel and the South Africans are on another channel. It all needs to be in one place that you pay for and you pay whatever you pay for it, but it can't be divvied up because that just completely defeats the whole point of it. Yeah, no, absolutely. They can't afford to go, okay, so here's BT and here's, you know, um, Sky and here's Amazon and all that. I would be in favor of Amazon. The only thing is their rugby coverage has basically been an extension of BT slash Premier. Um, so you'd you'd like to see some sort of change if they were. And as you said, it is the cheapest. They are the most accessible. They have probably the most. Um, how do I say? The, the best value for money because if you're going to get Amazon and Amazon Prime, you can. You know, get other things. And rugby and they've got they've got money to throw at it as well. Whereas the rest would be looking for the URC to justify its own income. Yeah. I mean, that's um, what TNT have been doing to the Premiership for years. They've been basically yeah. robbing them in some regard. Yeah, and I will just um, say as well on the accessibility thing. This is something Jamie on on Rap pointed out, which I didn't think of. Um, for older viewers. Uh, something like Amazon isn't that accessible because they're not yeah. used to that kind of thing. It would probably be more accessible for them if it was on Sky because Sky has been around for longer and is part of your TV and you already know how to use it and you've already got Sky for something else, football in the UK. 
yeah. uh, all the Formula One, all the cricket. Um, so there is an argument to say that Sky would be better. I would be against. Well, I've already got Now TV, so I'm already paying stupid money for that. Um, uh, but it wouldn't be my first choice. Um, I would prefer Amazon. That's fair. David, I'd let you weigh in there. Um, yeah. If it was to go a different direction, which way would you go? And then maybe, because I'm trying to stay out of the the Irish hat here and let you take over, how would it look for Ireland, depending on which way they go, in, in terms of what you'd like to see, in terms of what the fan would like to see? Yeah, it's an interesting one. Uh, I the Amazon uh, route, I I understand as a as an attraction. I think they had the Autumn Nation series a few years ago, or possibly still do. Still do, and, yeah. and yeah, the Summer Nation series this year. Yeah, and it, and and it is a great service. And and you know, if you're someone like me, you already have Amazon Prime for a variety of reasons, and so it already exists as a service. Um, I hadn't really thought of there, but you make a good point. They don't need us to justify our existence because Amazon is probably the most profitable company on the planet um as long as you can sell it to them that is the thing as well they're going to want something out of it so um as long as we can convince them that it's a good enough deal then then we, maybe we would definitely need them more than they'd need us because if we're very... going for 26 team league you have to have a provider who can show multiple games yeah and much... realistically that is they're the only ones who could cover to the proper degree very much so, yeah. And I don't, I don't know if if everyone who doesn't work in the industry knows, but Amazon basically runs the internet now. They have a they have a backend service called AWS, and basically every website on the planet is is based off of their infrastructure. So if there's any online uh, company that can do it, it's them. Sky being more accessible, I I do take as a good point because obviously Sky is more you know is it more institutionalized and you can you can get it on your TV. I guess and an, another level of accessibility. Pre- particularly with the the times we're going through now is affordability and god sky is not affordable <laughs> it's very very expensive unless you've That's already great. had it for 20 years yeah exactly if, if you've already well, trying to leave you, yeah if you yeah exactly and you can get your three months for half price or whatever you know so it's 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 more understand yeah but i i do think that'll come in time you know um I think from an Irish point of view, it's it's tricky, as you said, Caelan. We have legislation in place for free to air. At the moment, we have at least all Irish games, or actually, it's slight bone of contention. We have three out of four provinces uh, games are free to air. Ulster's games are not guaranteed free to air. For example, their first game of the season isn't. Uh, so it's it's really just the three southern provinces where every single game is free to air on either TG Car or TE. I think. That that will be hard to give away, but at the same time, that hasn't been in place for very long. I think it's only been two or three years yeah. uh, before before that we had air sport, which was a whole other level of awful. So, you know, I think I think when it comes to club games, week in week out, if if the service is affordable and relatively accessible, people will pay for it. You know, there's been a lot of hullabaloo in this country about GAA Go being introduced, but. There were there are games now being shown that weren't shown before, and are there bigger ticket games that are on that service that would have been free to air before? Sure, because they need to justify their own existence. But you know, if if you're going to be showing enough games to cover a league that big, then then it needs to be a, a form of paid service. I think from a free free to air point of view, my number one priority would be that as much as possible, at least domestically. Obviously, if it's um, if it's Super or the rugby championship or, or something else. That's another question. But when it comes to stuff like the Six Nations, 
if there's a, if there's a priority to keep something free to air, I think it should always be the Six Nations because I think that's how you get people into the into the sport. That's how you get people into rugby. That's how I got into rugby. So you know, the club game. I think if you make it relatively affordable and relatively accessible, then then you know, if we have to pay a little bit to do it, if it's ten or a month, it's ten or a month. And 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 you know, you can build your fan base from there. But I think at least if we can keep the test level stuff and the you know. Irish stuff or whatever your international games are free to air then then that's how you generate your wider audience yeah it's it's bad enough already in the UK with the Six Nations being split between the BBC and ITV not just because it means that you have to watch ITV Um, (laughs) but yeah I just I I just want to point out one thing because I can hear Ender saying in my head Uh, IT sorry Amazon currently do tennis and I believe you do have to pay extra to watch tennis on Amazon so it wouldn't it's not necessarily given that if Amazon had all of rugby, it there there wouldn't be a cost difference. You could see like yeah. Amazon rugby being a thing, and it maybe be a separate app, which might be mm-hmm. handy, but it would probably cost more. Do Do you know? Just I don't know if you know. You do you know if that's a is is it an Amazon tennis and then you get all of it, or is it like pay per view per competition or per match? I don't know exactly. I'm not. I'm not a tennis guy. Despite what a tweet I sent out today, that's not very popular. <laughs> <laughs> that went down like a lead balloon. I can tell you guys. Um, you, you kind of sparked my interest there because when we talk about format and TV, and we get kind of use this to segue into the format. The only major competitions I can think of that are of huge size are kind of the major leagues in America. Do you think of NFL? Do you think of NBA? Very different league format. Like NFL is probably the closest to rugby in terms of how you could divide up games and they're still playing like seven at a time on a Sunday afternoon on you know, two different broadcasters. And I then imagine rugby red zone with all the tries. Rugby red zone would be absolutely incredible and I like put my hand up here that I would present it. <laughs> Thank you very much if you want someone. Um but no, they'd probably end up with write, someone write who doesn't down. want to be there. <laughs> Kinda of like what the top fourteen does with the barrage, isn't it? Yeah, they do the last rounds of the season. They do like a split screen thing, which is unbelievable. Oh yeah! <laughs> if only I could speak French and lived in France to be able to see it <laughs> once. Um, but as well as that, the EFL Championship came to mind because that's twenty four teams. Am I right, Hugh? The Championship in England. Uh, yes, that's right. Um, I don't think every game in that is televised. No, no, no Davis Davis streaming yeah. system. That's kind of, you know, for various things. Like they all run one. I know there's obviously logistical issues, but that's kind of the point I was going to go on to is if the URC did go, okay, right, we have URC TV. Every broadcast is just a TV broadcast, bar like one game a week. So like, how are they going to make that work? (laughs) Do you know what I mean? URC TV works because someone else is showing all the games at the bare minimum. They're not doing the setup costs. And all that, and these things make a huge difference. I know you would have probably talked about this on on the Pirate Ruby Pod with with Enda. These things do make a huge difference when it comes into it, and it will make a big difference for format because if you go with a twenty six and pending team league, which way do you go with it? Do you want to have promotion relegation in some regards? So if a English Championship club or maybe a Black Lions or someone like that could they get in and, and so on? Like, 
What what would you say, yeah, David? I'll come to you first. Would you? Or to, yo, you you're ready to go. All I was all I was going to say is you can't have. I, I know the USC has been about growing and being open to things. You can't just invite everybody. You can't just say. No, that's true. And we'll have a bit of black line as well. And we'll have a Poland. Do they need a rugby team? And how about America? You, like, it, it needs to be a a close shop. And I back to David's point about the Italians and the South Africans. A British a British and Irish league is in a much easier sell than a British and Irish and also South African and also Italy. Especially to the country who, um, like in England, there is that sense of people are making the decisions. They're the most desperate and have the least amount of buying power. But historically, they're the most amount of buying power and still treated like such. So if mm. they had a choice to be replacing the South African teams, they would take it in a heartbeat. Just there is kind of that counterbalance of it, dare I say. I don't know if that's the right way, wouldn't it? But in terms of format... David, what way would you like to see them go? Because you could go conferences, you could go one big league, which would be just ugly, to be honest. Like, it's hard enough at 16 to kind of make it look right. So what way would you go? Yeah, God, it is It is a tricky one. It's... I don't know, when the numbers get up that high, you start to get to the point where... Like, like I think most I think most leagues in rugby I'm struggling to think of one of the isn't most leagues in rugby aren't really leagues they're you know build up to knockout competitions the only real way you could you could have it be a straight shootout with that many teams is if you had it be an actual league where there are no knockouts you know you play however many games you play in the year and then whoever's on top at the end wins and you wouldn't be able to play everyone twice which is huge for like provincial matchups regional matchups etc yeah and like that's the one thing the URC has kind of it made work even when it seems like it could have been a negative. I feel like they've made it be a positive because it means that you play the teams that are closest to you twice, yeah. you know? So, you know, and that makes it, that makes all the sense in the world. Like unless, you, unless you're Glasgow and you played the team that's literally quite far away twice. Yeah, <laughs> no, second, that's yeah, fair point. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. But you know, like if you're, you know, you know, Munster or Connacht and you get to play each other twice, that, that beats the hell out of having to, you know, go down to South Africa twice as often or or, or whatever. So I, I think they've made that work as much. I don't know if it, if it's that big a league, I think it, it is going to come down to a situation where it's either a league and it's a straight shootout and not everyone gets to play everyone twice, which I don't think is going to happen just because it seems to go against. Um, I think rugby likes knockout games. And I think a, a competition without knockout games is a competition that's going to struggle to draw, uh, draw the eye. Uh, so I think the bigger it grows, the more likely it is to to become a system of of a two-tiered competition, which might not be the worst thing in the world. But the only way that that can work is if the second tier is at least close to, if not as viable as the top tier. And then that brings in the further question. If you're England, if you're, say, because Hugh made a dig at me and his own podcast about me liking that, if you are, for example, a Newcastle, why would you vote for this when you're almost guaranteed to be in that second tier? You know, yeah. I'm not saying it would be a vote because meritocracy in rugby isn't exactly something that, you know, it's more of a once a generation type thing. But like, why would you? Because you're almost confined to it. Zebra be the same. Probably the Dragons, if we're being realistic. But and... see, that's 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 why that's why I think it's reliant on some sort of guarantee. I have no idea how you would actually guarantee this because. It's obviously based on cash flows to a degree, but I think it's it has to be based on the idea that if we're going down this route, then we're going down the the route of thinking that 
if this is a two tier competitions, tier two is as important as tier one. Not as uh, maybe you know, there's obviously a slight a bit more prestige winning tier one than tier two. If you take the the example of Europe with the Challenge Cup and the Champions Cup, everybody wants to win the Champions Cup. But God, if you gave you know some teams the option to win a Challenge Cup, they take you know to bite your hand off. You know, everyone everyone would prefer to take home silverware if they can. So if you could create a two-tier list where at least the teams at the bottom tier have an aspiration to win something and maybe work the way up to the top tier, that'd be great. But you would really need to have you would need to have some sort of really strong plan to have that second tier be as financially viable in terms of commercials, in terms of ticket sales, in terms of um in terms of prize money or whatever, in terms of payoff, financially, you would need to have that tier two league be as viable as the first. Because like you said, other than that, there's a whole lot of teams that would never go for it. And the smallest of small caveats that I could ever throw out, technically, Munster won URC two when they won last year, and Stormers won URC one, because that's how they decided to name those finals. Is that how so, they go? Cool. Yeah. Um, on Kind of officially, but they're kind of not proud of it kind of way. So you can't really call it the second division URC two now, <laughs> but you can. But you know, oh yeah, yeah, I get you. Yeah. This is kind of that side of thing. Hugh, you're usually a good man for this side of stuff. What way would you go? And is there any way that you can solve this impasse in terms of playing teams twice, like your regional sides and your provinces, or the fact that you have to go to South Africa? And how do you manage that if the South Africans are split into two different teams and so on and so forth? That's a good point. Uh, how can you play everyone twice if you're in different leagues? If one if one team's in the Premiership and one's in the Championship or whatever it's called, maybe you just have to bite the bullet. I mean, um, obviously in English football now it's arguably incomparable. But Newcastle United, my club's biggest rival, Sunderland, are, are in the league below us and have been in the league below us or two leagues below us for several years, and we've just gotten on without that derby. Um, and I think if it's like if you're playing English teams, that kind of necessity goes away a little bit because going from Newport to Llanelli or going from Newport to Bristol is probably easier to get to Bristol um, because of the infrastructure in Wales. Um, now, mate, that would be different in Ireland, obviously, and South Africa massively. Um, so, yeah, th- th- there's that question. Um in terms of a geographic guarantee of at least having one team in the Premier League, I'm keep calling it the Premier League, the the, the top division. Um, I don't know. We've just gotten rid of that in the URC for European qualification, so um, maybe that wouldn't be it. I should I should imagine there's quite a lot of people in English rugby who would assume that the top league would be 100% English teams and they would get quite a nasty shock. Uh, having to go play the Stormers away and then Leinster away and then Glasgow away. <laughs> right, let's open the beers. How many English teams are going to actually win this new competition in the first 10 years? And why is it zero? <laughs> it's, Only it's, Saracens have it's a Saracens, chance. Yeah, it's, then, it's just yeah. Saracens. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was going to be your answer. <laughs> but I don't, think that, I don't think they go to Leinster and win. I don't think they go to Stormers and win. Um, so there you go. Um, it's it's, it's going to be a great competition. The, the current URC format actually works out for the for the countries that have got four teams. You only play six games outside your country. So you play your your derbies and then you've got half mm-hmm. the games at home. So actually, you know, you think about it being a big global league. You go, actually, we only play six games outside the, our country and 
for some people, not everyone, everyone's got different budgets. For some people, one trip to a different country, especially if it's Ireland or Scotland, which isn't really a different country if you're in Wales. Uh, it is obviously a different country, but it, it, oh, in terms right. of travel, travel yeah. is not like going abroad. Yeah. Um, uh, it actually becomes, oh, it's not actually that much of a nightmare when you think about it. And for a lot of like, Scarlet's fans love going to Italy once a year. It's a thing. Um, so, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if you can guarantee it. I think if you're going to go for a two-tier structure, I think you can't guarantee derbies. And I, I wouldn't give a geographical guarantee. I would just let it be a meritocracy. But I would say maybe have two promotion relegation spots and an access style game like they have in France as well, yes. rather than just have one up, one down like it was in England. Yeah, you could do maybe top four and then kind of go from there. You did mention about the regional matchups and infrastructure. I would like to say, I, I've never done the trip, but going from Galway to Belfast is, you'd be as well off probably flying to Heathrow and flying back <laughs> sometimes. So there is a case to be made about the infrastructure issue. David, you were going to jump in there before I made my bad joke. No, it's a, it's it's not a bad joke. The bad joke is Ireland's uh, rail network. <laughs> hey, didn't. <laughs> to, to, get a, to get a train from um, uh, Aberystwyth to Cardiff, you change at Birmingham. Jesus. So you're going to a different country. Jesus, yeah, yeah. You can't get a train yeah. to Donegal in Ireland, though, either. So, actually, yeah. actually, actually, no, I've become familiar with the railings to Wales lately because I'm, I'm planning my trip to Newport, as Kellen alluded to. Flying into Bristol and getting the actually I'm not getting the train, I'm getting the rail replacement go. bus. That's probably the best so, thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, but yeah, no, that's just because I wanted to piggyback on something you said there, you about you know, you have six games you only have six games abroad. And I think that's I didn't realise that until I started starting looking at, at getting tickets for away games. But that's been huge, like because we have I think it's what's eighteen it's an eighteen round season and only six of them are outside of Ireland. And if you can't, there's two in South Africa, which uh, that's a big trip. Some people have made it, but like that is a big trip. If you can't that, you only got four. You've got, you know, uh, this year, uh, speaking for Leinster, we've got one in, we're going to wait to, I'm going to go to Glasgow uh, at the weekend. And then we've got two in Wales, Newport and Cardiff, and then one in Parma in Italy. Yeah. And then the rest of them are in Ireland. You know, it's, it's, which is way yeah. more advantageous for Leinster fans than it is for the rest. Of it is <laughs> yeah, a in very terms of transport, point. but it, but in general, like yeah, but, and that's the thing. If you want to take public transportation, but like, and, and not to not to take you get, but like, if you drove and you lived in Ireland, it's it's a cakewalk. You know, it's yeah. it's not a big country, so it's yeah. I, th- I think that is a big selling point. If what you want is ticket sales, you know, if that's what your focus is, and your focus is in getting away fans. To go to games, you know, because I I think certainly if you if you look at places like I don't I don't actually know what the revenue like is like in France, but like their big focus seems to be on home matches, and there's there's a huge variance in success rates between between winning at home and winning away. So I don't know how much they have in terms of in terms of traveling support, but if your focus is on traveling support, then the the way the URC is structured at the moment works quite well. Unless you're from Glasgow or, or unless you're from Scotland or Italy, but yeah, just yeah. So um, just quickly on on Europe away support. I don't know what it's like in rugby, but I know in like La Liga in Spain, away support isn't a thing. Like I've been to a a, a La Liga game and sat in the away end, and there's like as many British tourists there as there are away fans. Like away, 
away support is quite a British thing. It's not necessarily something that um, European nations do. Yeah. yeah, that's true. I get that. Like, I, I, I was even sorry, Kevin, just to finish off. I was on um, holidays in Portugal there recently, and it was in a, a very nice town, but it was quite a small town. But they had this big stadium right there. And I was like, do they really fill this? And it's like, oh, yeah, everybody. But I was like, do you get enough people in, like, from or you know, like away to go to that? And it's like, no, everybody just goes through it locally. And then whenever the team are away, wherever they're playing, everyone there goes to see it. So, yeah, it's. Like yeah, it's the a tra- small the, country thing. The smaller yeah. the country, the more the away support is, I think. Yeah, and I, think, get there easier. and I think that's probably why when it came to the World Cup and you have countries, maybe countries that are bigger when it comes to to um, football, like Argentina, like England, like France, and suddenly they see 60,000 Irish fans show up in the Stade de France for Ireland to play South Africa. They're like, what the? Where did these guys come from? You know, I was listening to the rugby pod last week and one of the guys was talking about being in, you know, a decade ago, being in the stoop when Munster came over to play and it was entirely Munster supporters. And like, how did any of you get tickets? Where where, where did you guys come from? So I, I think that is, yeah, I don't think it's that is necessarily as ubiquitous uh, a thing as, as, as maybe some of us in Ireland think it is. Yeah, that's true. Lads, we've probably gone over time, so we should probably leave it here. I will ask you, one last question because the URC is back this weekend. David, I'll start with you. Who's winning the URC? And if you do say Leinster, I want you to give someone else and guess they don't. Because <laughs> it's, it's very safe pick. Uh, well, Leinster are going to win. I, I would imagine. I hope. Uh, I think I would hope that Leo Cullen, as smart a man as he is, and being from Dublin, I think he Knowing other Dublin people as well as I know myself probably bought into the idea that he's slightly smarter than he is, uh, will have learned his lesson and won't be going half-cocked into any games this season. Uh, that being said, you know, World Cup hangovers are a thing. So if Leinster don't win it, God, if Leinster don't win it, I wouldn't be surprised if it's if it's one of the South African teams. I wouldn't be surprised if it's the Stormers or the Bulls, particularly if they see big success in the, in the World Cup. I think they could have a huge boost off the back of that. You, which way are you going? Well, as we discussed on the Pirate Pod earlier, mate, I think you can predict who's going to finish top, but I think predicting the winner is much more difficult because it's it's because the playoff system is completely conceivable that someone who finishes mid-table could win it. Um, I think Leinster will finish top, uh, and my outside bet for winners are the Bulls because they've done some exciting recruitment uh, over the summer. Yeah, you convinced me on the Bulls, so they're going to be my outside bet, um, obviously. I'd like to see Munster win, but going back to back in the league is basically something that doesn't happen unless you've been Leinster in the Pro 14 era, which is remarkable, but it's kind of been the case. Kind of because Leinster have dominated the league the last 15 years anyway, so they kind of jumped in there, but you know, that's the way it is. Lads, thank you very much for coming on to this impromptu podcast. I did say back in August, I think it was, that we do more things like this and haven't done one since even though the World Cup has been full of breaking news stories. But hopefully it won't be the last of the year, I suppose, at this stage. So to David, to you, thank you very much for coming on and thank you to everyone for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. And why not, you know, give us your thoughts on this new URC format. If it does come to be, it might even be three or four or five years away by the time we do get to see it. So as a great man once said, they only give the URC five years, mate, five years. (laughs) <laughs> I don't think that's the case that's going to unfold at this stage so once again thanks to David thanks to you thanks to everyone for listening 
If you like what you see or hear, please do subscribe. And as always, I will have the links to the lads' pages and to my own social media down below. But for now, and until next time, until tomorrow night's World Cup preview podcast, take it easy. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.